Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe, and guys, we didn't get to talk about this during our brief pre-show meeting, which lasted all of about 30 seconds. Um, my ears are stopped up because I've been dealing with the allergy stuff, so if I look at you funny like I don't hear something clearly, I'm not like doing a bit. It's probably because I <laughs> can't hear you. My wife got on to me the other day. You She's like, that puppy dog look with the head to the side of the my, my wife got on to me the other day. She's like, are you deaf? I'm like, yes, actually, right now I am. I cannot hear you from one room over. Sorry, so, man. Just getting old. Yeah. I, I think guess it's part of that, it. too. Don't discount that. And some good college basketball last night with Texas getting the win over Texas Tech. A man who's been at the Irwin Center for numerous things because he is a lifetime Longhorn. Was a 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. Something he shares in common with Johnny Manziel and, in a roundabout way, Art Browse, hey. by the way. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> when yeah, he he's got, just I got down in hell. to Art Browse. You don't even need to go that route. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, when he got back to, when he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in a 40 acres, where he earned his degree. If he had his T-ring in his possession, he would wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And, uh, Rod, where, where, let's go ahead and start with uh, with Herb Hand. Let's just go ahead and, and, yeah. and roll it out. Uh, as of right now, he is the 10th assistant coach, Herb Hand, the Auburn offensive line coach. It's Herbie Hancock. As the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. When Texas already has an offensive line coach. Co-OC and co-O-line coach. Yes. So there's still everything. some stuff that's going to be determined. But, Rod, just your initial thoughts on the Herb Hand hire and what it means. Because to me, when I look at Matt, and Matt, you can pull some of these up because I know you have quick access to it. We can look at the raw numbers and the eye test to tell that Texas was a very good run in the football. Yep. Excuse me, but when you get into the analytics – and really break it down and start looking at like rushing S&P plus, rushing success rate, uh, stuff rate, power success rate. Texas was below the national average in just about all those categories, except for stuff rate, which Texas was right at the national average. Bottom line, Herb Hand is coming to Texas for two reasons. One, accelerate the growth of this offensive line, try to get that back on track, and fix this run game because Tom Herman is a spread guy who wants a power run game, and that's what Herb Hand is coming to the 40 acres. Yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm kind of intrigued as to why he wasn't um, the first pick. Like on the initial staff? Well, no, no. Like when we apparently they were bringing bringing in Noel Mazzoni at first. Oh, well, that was just as a as an first analyst. choice. Was well, just as an analyst, as yeah. not the tenth assistant coach. Right. Okay. Um, and and I I remember the reports are that Mark Helfrich was going to come in too as 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 I, what would he have been? I think there was some interest there. Helfrich, I think, would have been as a tenth as assistant the coach. Yeah. Okay. So uh, either way, I like the fact that they got a and e- either one of those guys would have been a guy with coordinator experience or play calling experience. And I think honestly that may be your number one priority considering that the Tim Beck experiment right now is most troubling to Longhorn fans even more Mm -hmm. so than the offensive line issues and you got to get that done but as you pointed out several times and if you just look at the recent history of this program you're not going to fix that overnight that just ain't going to (laughs) happen it's just not going to happen right now you need a core you need a play caller that is so seasoned and experienced and has the knowledge to be able to mask those issues and to at least be able to find some identity given the limitations on that offensive line. That's what Tim Beck really couldn't do last year. Um, and I think a lot of Longhorn fans were upset about that. So what you need is a plan B, number one, a contingency plan behind Tim Beck. Mark Helfrich would have been that. Noah Mazzoni would have been potentially that. And you still get that in Herb Hand coming in because he's a guy that's got play calling experience. So I, that's what I like about it. And he's another mind that you can add to the game planning and add to the valuations of players and how they're going to use those guys and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I, I and, and as you pointed out, he's got a power spread background, whether it be a Rich Rod as a tight ends coach, which I also like. He's a tight ends coach for a long time. 
So one of the most invaluable pieces of the Tom Herman mm-hmm. offense, he calls it a pro spread philosophy. But if you want to combine the pro aspects of that, the pro concepts with the spread ideology, the one position that really fuses the two um, philosophies is the tight end position slash H back position, whatever, how you want to use them. It makes you, um, you know, it, it tends to make you malleable. It makes you a true multiple offense from down to down within and out. You can go from 21 personnel to 11 personnel and you can do all kinds of shifts and changes and, all that funk that we like that kind of confuses offenses. Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, I mean, they have that in a couple of guys in the way they use them. Urban Meyer famously always has a lot of those guys. Those are power spread um, philosophies. That's what Tom Herman wants. He calls it a pro spread, but essentially it's just a power spread. Right. So there's so many different aspects of Herb hands. It's always Herb or Herb. I don't know which one. <laughs> Herb, I've heard both. Herb, heard Herb and Herb. So I don't know if he, yeah, you got to ask him if he's an Herb or Herb or what he likes to be referred to. But there's so many different aspects of his background that, man, they really do fit all of the the needs and kind of a lot of the yeah. voids right now within this Texas offensive coaching culture. Exactly, and that's where, like, the label, when you talk about a co-OC with the O-line coach, yeah. at first when you look at it, you're like, oh, O-line, okay, what is he here? And when you look at, like, recent stops, it's actually a little worrisome looking at just offensive line production or line yards, but when you're talking about he's being brought in because of his more broader ideologies as a football coach to help help with the staff it makes a lot more sense because like if you break down Penn State last year everybody knows Bishop Sankey and great rushing numbers and yards but you look at the offensive line actually really really bad when you look at adjusted line yards there at yeah. Penn State 101st in the nation this past year despite your standard down rushing is at 6th and explosivity at 22 success rate 30 despite a bottom 20 offensive line and line yeah. yards all last year then you look also at the other main one that stood out to me was adjusted line yards overall and still in the bottom half of the nation but I really like whenever you play that out there as if this isn't necessarily as most coaching jobs is it isn't what your position coach it's everything that you bring to the table as a part of the staff to help yeah. make it work and you know sometimes you have to have a couple labels to go along with it well you got two O-line coaches now yeah, yeah. you got two, <laughs> yeah, there you go that's where the labels are there yeah, like we don't even to, have to worry about the labels yeah. it's how you one fit. man's strength exactly. can be another coach's weakness you know yeah I, mean? yeah, I don't really dig two O-line coaches rod that you you had that at, toward the end of your tenure uh, at Texas, where you had, I think it was uh, actually, I think that might have been, I think that might have been like your o, senior year. Yeah, it was I like where you three had, where they brought in Nunes. I think Tim Nunes working with guards. They and brought in Nunes. Yeah. With tackles and it was tight ends. like, yeah, I remember the end of that. But I mean, what the beginning of it, and then they end up shifting over. What really happened was Texas had already had the, you know, they had had the talent on campus because they had a great recruiter as the offensive line coach prior to Nunes coming in. What they needed somebody was that. Could develop that talent, and that's I think why they started making the shift. Like, hey, we got quarter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they started making the shift. Well, here's why I like the Herb Hand hire, and uh, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> We talked about this a few weeks ago that Tom Herman is from that Urban Meyer coaching tree. And that's really, you know, we can talk about Greg Davis and some of the other guys Tom Herman's been around. But who Tom Herman is as an offensive mind when you looked at his offense at Houston, a lot of it's from Ohio State. And a lot of it is riffing off of that Urban Meyer pro spread offense, that power spread offense. But, right, as we talked about, the Urban Meyer tree is one that doesn't have a lot of branches in terms of guys that are readily available to come in with coordinator experience. I mean, really, you've got... Tom Herman, Dan Mullen, like Ed Warner, like there aren't that many guys that are tied to that offense. So what Tom Herman had to do is he had to take more of the Mike Gundy approach, which was let me go find somebody that philosophically they line up with exactly who I want to be as a football program, what I want this offense to be. And you go to the Gus Malzahn tree, Herb Hand's available, boom, it's a power spread mm-hmm. offense, pro spread, whatever you want to call it. But with the RPOs, with a diverse run game, and Rod, that's something that we talked about too, that first drive in the bowl game, those early series in the bowl game against Missouri, we saw a diverse Texas run game that we really hadn't seen all year. You know, schemes where you're creating leverages and leverage and angles and doing different things to create movement up front. Uh, where this offensive line was never going to be one, even with Connor Williams, wasn't going to be one where you just lined up and zone blocked the hell out of people and blew people off the ball and mm-hmm. created seams and 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 just dominated the line of scrimmage. You were going to have to do some different things, and we saw them do that in the bowl game. It's one of the more encouraging things I saw in the bowl game. But that's what Herb Hand is coming to Texas to do. So it's Tom Herman. 
finding somebody not from that Urban Meyer tree, but somebody that philosophically, okay, I want to be, I want to have a power run game. We've got to have a power run game for this to work. Well, let me go get somebody that knows exactly how to run the football out of spread offense like yeah, we want I, to. And I agree with you. I, I'm I'm just frustrated with offensive coordinators at the college and the the pro level who are just so kind of stubborn, right? And they just <laughs> they they refuse it's to thing in sports. My thing is philosophy should should marry and then create babies yes. almost. You know what I mean? Like they should they like you need to marry different philosophies and like oh then find common ground mm. and then boom there should be you know an offspring from that a new spread that baby. creates yes exactly exactly something something new and something innovative and you don't see enough coaches doing that that's why I was excited about that Mark Helfrich hiring man they bring him in that would be great because you're marrying two different philosophies right. uh, in terms of offense but you can still marry a lot of those you know those principles together um, and then kind of have them interwoven within mm-hmm. the fabric of that offense and then create something totally new and they can that always nobody's really it. ever seen you know what I mean and you can yeah, you can lean on one philosophy or the other depending on the game plan or have a mix of both it can be something really really beautiful now it also can end up being Frankenstein where you know what I mean where it just it turns on you and it, it ends up becoming mom science exactly. you gotta try right you, you know can't mean? be afraid to um, fail basically but I, that's why I really liked uh, I mean everybody talks about you know, Andy Reid's offense, and they made some changes. You know, Matt Nagy, who was the offensive coordinator there, he's now the head coach of the Bears, and the Bears brought in Mark Helfrich, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Connecting dots here. So what essentially Andy Reid did, he brought in Chris Alt, like, I don't know, like eight years ago, dude, when Jamal Charles was still on there, who was the innovator of the pistol. Brought him on for like four years. Just set, He was just a kind of quality control, a whatever the hell you want to call him, mm-hmm. consultant, whatever. Just sat there, and I guarantee they just talked ball. And they found a way, he found a way to, to mesh his ideology and the ideology, excuse me, of Chris Alt in that pistol, and that's why you have Alex Smith, mm-hmm. and that's why they drafted Patrick Mahomes. He's going to continue that, all right, because he just really, really liked that type of philosophy, and I know now we're at a point now where those college, that experimental offense in college, you know, the spread and the pistols and the RPOs and the package plays and all that kind of stuff, which was seen as, you know, I w- they always say that re- all religions start as a cult. Gimmick. You know what I mean? Every religion is a cult initially, you know, whether it's Christianity or whether there's Islam, or you talking about Buddhism? Every Mormons, every religion starts as a cult, and then yeah, you, know, you give it a, give it a few hundred years, or you know, 50, 60, 60 years or so, and Scientology doesn't look like a cult anymore. It used to be a cult, and I was like, ah, you know what? I'm getting kind of used to it. And that's how uh, offenses are in mm-hmm. in football, right? First, it starts off the wild card, like man, nobody's doing that. that's kind of weird, that's what strange. Man, and now it's got kind of everybody's got a wild card cat package, all right? From NFL coaches to college coaches, and you the same Greg, thing is true. Greg Davis with the zone read, yeah, mm-hmm. the zone read, the that spread, the same time offense, old. what. Whatever, air raid, everything starts that way. And now all of those things are starting to, to uh, filter up mm-hmm. to the NFL level. And that's why they need those guys like Mark Helfrich coming down now and, you know, those guys who can marry who can marry those type of, you know, concepts, the spread concepts mm-hmm. in college and the pro concepts in the NFL because that's where the divide is. That's where the great dis- disconnect is right now in coaching. They, those older guys, they can't do it. They can't. They're too stubborn. They, they, weren't, they're un- they were unwilling like a guy like Andy Reid was to go, all right, I'm bringing in one of these guys. I just sit there and talk ball and understand what the hell's going on. So who's taking over? The younger guys. Yeah. The Sean McVay's, the the Kyle Shanahan. Well, they Texas and that's what they want, coaches. right? Those, those young right. guys. They want those young guys because and I think Tom Herman can be one of those guys too. Kind of understands that pro spread. That's what he's trying to get to. My point is, as an offensive coach, you should always be trying to marry your philosophy mm-hmm. with another philosophy. So one you're just attracted to. Just like in real marriage. Like you see something like, man, she's fine. I like it. I'm getting on it. Uh, and then you date her for a while and then you see if you guys can start a courtship and then go on to have kids and offspring. That's what you should have, that same type of philosophy with offenses. And they don't. And if you did, your offense would always stay rejuvenated. It would always stay new. It would always stay fresh. But they get stale and they get old and teams learn how to defend them. Why? Because they're so damn stubborn. It's got to be my way. I got to stay in this This uh, I got to stay in, in this family tree of offenses because this was where I'm from. And that's wrong. No. It's actually the wrong way to do it. You go look at most great offenses, they end up evolving because they end up the, the offensive mind ends up going, you know what? I got to marry it with that type of offense. I got to do something different. I'll give you a great example. Great example. Matt, I'll let you get to your point. No, it's all good. I was just going to say, think about the workforce that you're going after. You were just detaching from it. Now you're doing what the kids are doing. You know, the younger. Got to. Exactly. 
when and I he wasn't the guy who invented RPOs, but you think when Dana Holgerson got to Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. and Holgerson was a leech guy in the area. Yeah, he said, you know what? I don't know if this air raid is built to last. Why don't I just add, just start adding, you know, add to the tempo element, mm-hmm. tagging plays, Tweaking. and 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 different run game packages that yeah. you know, it's not like Dana Holgerson did anything to like completely reinvent the wheel. He just took something that already existed and said, let's just add kind of my little flavor right. to it. And, and boom, Dana Holgerson all of a sudden has an offense that then everybody tried to copy. Yeah, exactly and the right. whole state of time. I mean, you point. heard sort of the exaggeration. Totally and I remember it. the first time when Craig Way would talk about it, he's like, really, some of the best coaches in the world are Texas high school football coaches. And hearing that a decade ago, I sort oh, of thought guy. it was hyperbole. But like to watch it in real time evolve where we start to get the minds like the Bryles's oh, or the Malzons, yeah. where you start to hear of these high school coaches True. coming up. And then you talk about who had to be the ones to introduce it. It had to be a crazy lawyer named Mike Leach that didn't want to practice law after Pepperdine or a guy like Chip yeah. Kelly on the West Coast that he knew Phil Knight got his back and was going to let him do and think creatively with what he wanted to do. It's the same thing that these younger coaches had to do at the high school levels and they have been plucked and brought up and like to the point a little bit earlier, it's crazier when you talk about how, you know, the lack of being open-minded at the top end of football where then you had this entire generation and stacking upon generation upon stacking a generation playing this other type and we so slowly seen it infiltrate up but to streamline that process and to be the few that can take advantage and you know we always sat around wondering why did Garrett Gilbert not make it or one guy do this or that and like once you can start to dissect going backwards you can look yeah. at these things in the learning curve in the same way that we said you know some coaches may not be able to get their principles across to them or is it do they not even want to that's a whole nother level that you had to deal with and now more and more you're just seeing it evolve to where now you can see new minds get that chance they want to go give this guy a chance and give the young guy a chance to be that next one something that was a principle that was almost keep us out keep them out of the good old boys club we're going to keep our style there yeah no they they're trying to stop at the old regime but they can't if the, the now when the your dam, workforce is doing the dam, the, exactly, the dam is going to break <laughs> it's because all breaking. the quarterbacks and all the players from the college level are coming they are spread babies it's That's like our all offensive line know. talk last and it week. would be it would be it would be ridiculously irresponsible of these mm-hmm. coaches not to either start learning the concepts themselves or as we pointed out marrying the them concepts by bringing in younger guys and that's why the NFL is getting younger mm-hmm. Literally is getting younger age by age even though the coaches and the players and the quarterbacks you're going to have six six quarterbacks potentially taken in the first round uh, this year and you know probably three or four of those guys are going to be from spread concepts and air raid concepts and that's going to be the case every year mm-hmm. so I think you'll, you'll it's going to change like it's not I mean it's not something that they can um, whether it be the players or whether it be the coordinators they really can't stop it Deshaun Watson going to the Texans right Bill O'Brien yeah. Pro guy, pro style guy. Tom Brady is my quarterback. Picturettes, big quarterbacks like Osweiler and like mm-hmm. Ryan Mallett. He brings in Deshaun Watson and literally just sitting in a room with Deshaun Watson changed his philosophy on offense. Yes, he started to bring in all these college. He looked like you know, he looked like Clemson at one it point was. on offense. It was it was just, it, it yeah, was just, stacking it, it on top. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll build from here. Yeah, start where you're he, at and he, go where you're at. Yeah, and he basically said, hey man, Deshaun basically kind of taught me some of you know the plays he was comfortable with and the concepts. And we it just sounds like he's now like the drummer yeah. or the bass player to the badass yeah. guitarist. Like, all right, man, this dude rips it. I'm going to go yeah. off of him. And that's why Jim Harbaugh <laughs> is such a, you know, a game changer because Jim Harbaugh is able to do that. He can kind of float back and forth between these pro-style quarterbacks. He's just a quarterback guy. Mm-hmm. He just kind of gets it, you know I mean, quarterbacks. Um, but, yeah, you're starting to see the, the the game change at the NFL level. I mean, look, the Eagles are doing the same thing. I mean, they run RPOs like that. Okay, let's pause right now and take a break. But when we come back, we're going to continue talking about Herb Hand and the impact he will have on the Texas offense in 2017 and beyond. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Once again, Jeff Howe. So, Rod, when we look at, at kind of this marriage of two different spread philosophies, right? Mm-hmm. You got Tom Herman, who's his pro spread. Greg Davis gave him his foundation as an offensive guy. He's really kind of running Urban Meyer's offense, just mm-hmm. kind of adding his flair to it. And, and now you pair that with the Malzahn offense. And the differences, and we can get into the differences now. I don't know how deep you want to get into the discussion. But mm-hmm. when you look at the differences, uh, you know, Tom Herman, I think, wants to be kind of an inside-outside zone, just power run, run the ball down your throat kind of offense, attach that with as he calls it it is a pro style progression passing game they just do everything from the shotgun 
you bring in the Malzahn offense, which is now heavy on RPOs, uh, a lot of different run game concepts. We see pin and pulls, we see gap schemes, we see uh, split zones, a lot of different things in that Malzahn run game. And you add the tempo element to it, which we know like Malzahn, Bryles, those guys are kind of at the forefront of adding tempo. And, and I love the way Malzahn runs tempo because they're not they're not Baylor in the sense they're or Bay, what Baylor was under our brows, which is they're going to mash the gas at all times. Yeah. They've got different tempos. And we talked last week about the importance of getting the first first down. And, and, yeah. and, and a lot of oh, tempo yeah. guys talk about get the first first down. That's what, what was the stat? Oh, uh, 68% down? of the you time get, you score if you get a first down. But yeah. that's that's kind of what Malzahn's all about is, you know, they've got different kind of tempos. they got red tempo, which is your tempo where they want to slow it down, take the air out of the ball. They've got their yellow tempo, which is, okay, we'll kind of just go at an average pace and then green, which means, boom, we're, we're, we're yeah. turning and burn. We're going. We're, we're uh, you know, breakneck pace, what have you. So, Rod, I guess my question to you is how do you see this working? Because I'm interested to see you're basically taking – Tom Herman, the framework of Tom Herman's offense, which is that Urban Meyer offense, and now you're going to add an offense if with Herb Hand bringing in his background from Gus Malzahn that's heavy on RPOs and tempo and a diverse run game. Um, I'm kind of interested to see how this works because, it's as yeah. you said, when, when you're marrying two like philosophies, it's not like you know Texas in 2014 when you got Joe Wickline coming from the Mike Gundy offense, which was kind of that Holgerson offense, which is just mm-hmm. the air raid, but you, you add in package plays and RPOs and things like that. And you're marrying that with like a traditional pro style offense. Yeah. And you know, even as Texas players at the time, they're like, "Well, how would you describe this offense?" Uh, I don't really know. Yeah, nobody knew it. Nobody <laughs> really knew how to describe that, that it. That isn't yeah. good if it's say no. your religion or ideology no, yeah. I don't no. know yeah. but oh, now that's, that's gonna work at least at least if you ask somebody what's this offense gonna look like they should be able to give you a pretty good idea by the time we get to Maryland on September 1st of what this thing should look like yeah there's some similarities too um as as you pointed out I mean there is I think both of these offenses benefit from having a quarterback with a dual threat ability um and I think what they've been at their best when they have a dual threat quarterback whether Tom Herman wants to admit that or not uh the power running game even even, you know, Tom Herman may call it something else um, in terms of, you know, how he wants to describe it. But essentially, it is would like to be a power running game. And I think the the power element of the power spread from Gus Malzahn, I think it'll marry up. Really, I, I think it's going to I think it's going to line almost perfectly. I really do. I think it's going to because I think you're going to get a lot of got bend. A chance to, yeah. I think you're going to get a lot of bend from Tom Herman's side on this. I think you're going to get a lot because I, I, I think he's open that, that what they were doing wasn't working with Tim Beck and company. Right. And, and, and I think that he's an old line. Yeah expert so he's going to come in and they're going to depend a lot on his expertise evaluation of hey who do you like here at the o-line how do you want to train these guys you want to cross train these guys you want to how do you want to build this thing with the new run game concepts that you just brought up yeah you know i mean like who's best at blocking this type of way or that type of way in this type of scheme yeah and you know I forgot where I was going with the earlier point, but you bring up the offensive line, which I've written a lot about the offensive line yeah. lately. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate to an extent that here we go another offseason where we're talking about changes on offense and changing offensive line coaches. And, you know, <clears throat> offensive line coach is one of those deals where, like, the, the the concepts of offensive line play, Rod, I don't know if you agree with me on this, to me are pretty universal. Like, a zone, a zone step is a zone step, and a pull step is a pull step, and there's not really much you can do to change that. But tying that in with the scheme and teaching techniques and things like that, yeah. all that's that's where your your offensive line coaches vary. And Derek Wareheim's way of teaching was different from Matt Maddox, which was different from Joe Wickline, which was different from Stacy Searles, which was different from Mac McCorder, which is going to be different from Herb Hand. Man. So yeah, that's I don't know how many offensive line coaches that is during this decade. I think <laughs> six that you just got into. If you're but hey, take. About it like this: If you're yeah. Patrick Vahe, you will have gone. Was it, would it be Vahe? One, well, it was like how on his, the yes. defensive side. If you're Patrick Vahe, in four years, four different offensive line no, coaches. That is amazing. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's that, that's a great point. That's different. And if you think about the different styles of teaching, now, aside right. from the technique that they're teaching, which is probably all a little bit different, it has guys are different look. communicators. Yes, you know what I mean. And offensive line coaches are the, the weirdest <coughs> coach, coaches. One, think if I mean? anybody just hopped in and now Rod's yeah. not here, somebody else is doing the show, and I've never met him before. Yeah, how? I mean, you just got to learn to meet somebody. somebody like, new. I mean, that's tough. That's just 
just the human element. You know, to if you came to play for a guy who was a father figure, and I don't want to say a warm, cuddly figure because offensive line coaches aren't warm and cuddly, but a guy <laughs> who's kind of like a surrogate father type, and then all of a sudden that guy's out, and then you're playing for a guy who's got a little bit of red ass. Yeah, like it's it's two totally different worlds. And like you said, Rod, the, the difference with offensive line coaches that's that's yeah. one position group where yeah. things seem to really can, vary in terms really of the kind can, of guy man. you get. Yeah, I agree with you on that. They can be. I mean, my, I remember I remember the offensive line coach I had in high school, Coach Martinez. Oh, the one. Old Vietnam vet, man, he was wild and crazy. The one in Detroit used to smoke black and miles on the field. Like they're dead. They're, they're, they're just all. They're always been the strangest. And that more group, of a product man. of the Detroit I love Lions that. in the mid two thousands, though. Huh? That's Yo, like, yeah. that, that's like if that, you painted a picture, generation. If you painted a picture of mid two thousands Detroit Lions, <laughs> telling me the old line coach smokes black and miles I'm on like, the field. Literally, like smoking black and miles while they're like going through teams. That just shows <laughs> the generation. That's when we start <laughs> to date ourselves. It's like, yeah, my high school coach was just smoking cigarettes left and right, and then your pro NFL coach was smoking black and miles. It's kind of man. My, you know, your typical offensive line coach has like the polo that's about a size too small with like the elastic coaching shorts, bike with the skull, the bike shorts with the Skull oh yeah, the you, you imagine oh, Coach Buzz cut. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Uh, but either way, yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, that's that's a big change. So that's another thing too: the chemistry, the continuity. How quickly does it take to you know produce that? And, and you're gonna have new bodies there because when you look at Texas now, yeah, the you're transfers. Bringing, you're bringing in Mikey Grandy, who's a junior college transfer. Who Tom Herman said they figure who could be a plug and play guy guard for Jake McMillan. And now you're trying to fill tackle depth with graduate transfers. Uh, there's a chance they could. It's looking like. Likely they're going to bring in Calvin Anderson from Rice this weekend for an official visit. They had Casey Tucker from Stanford in on an official visit last weekend. So, I mean, you're you're looking for depth because I think now if you're Herb Hand, your goal should be, okay, how can I bridge the gap between – Guys that I need to be ready right now, which would be Mikey Grandy or graduate transfers you add, and your veteran guys, your Vahes and your Shacklefords, yeah. and and even you know Kerstetter's a guy that's got a year of starting experience under his belt. How do you bridge that gap with a guy like Sam Cosme coming off a redshirt year? And if Junior Angelou does go ahead and come to Texas, the three high school guys you're going to bring into the program, yeah. so you don't have to rush them. That right, we talked about this ad nauseum, and I keep talking about it, but I can't overstate the importance. That is the cycle Texas has got to break if this offensive line is ever going to get fixed. Is yep. You've got to be able to find a way to start redshirting guys and let guys develop and not rush guys. Offensive line is one of those position groups, very similar to quarterback, in that if you throw a guy in there before he's ready, you could risk ruining a guy. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. right now, not to say that he's ruined, but I'm really worried about Denzel Okafor. Because even though oh he got he has a you know four games of starting experience under his belt yeah but not all four of those games were good you talk about a guy that got benched during the year and yeah. was kind of in and out of the lineup and, and confidence factor man yeah. I just remember being down on the field for warmups at Iowa State and watching Denzel Okafor and like. Just a lack of confidence, man. It's no disrespect to Denzel, but you can tell, you can read somebody's oh, yeah. body language. No doubt. You know, it looked like the kid that had gotten scalded for stealing a piece of candy from the store yeah. and his parents had him in timeout for a while. Like, just that kind of just downtrodden and down on yourself. Tail between his legs a little, man. Yeah, yeah. man. It's, it's very, very uh, concerning yeah. to see that look on right. his face. But so. a new coach yeah. can also be a new start, uh, you know, kind of a you know, new slate. So you often can get a bump from guys very who, true. who normally, like you said, had been either in the doghouse or maybe they didn't have a good start, didn't have a good year, can always start over. That's always a good thing, too, when you get a new coach. Definitely. Yeah. So how do you think this impacts the running back position? That's the position I wanted to talk about because mm. you know, Keontae Ingram is expected to sign in February. I think he will. I don't think there's anything that's going to be yeah. holding him back. And, Rod, when you think about the running backs that have been successful in the Malzahn offense, um, do you see a guy like that in this program right now? Uh, right now, <coughs> without Keontae Ingram or with Keontae Ingram? Let's say without Keontae Ingram. Without Keontae, I, don't, I mean, it, I would say they've had a lot of success with, you know, getting the best out of running backs mm-hmm. in that system. Right. I mean, even with the offensive lines that Herb Han has coached, he's had success kind of maximizing running backs who hadn't been, I don't think, stellar talents or anything like special. Some of them have, but not all of them. Um, so, I, you know what? I, I think that you could get not, not – uh, I, I don't think any kind of a world, uh, all Big 12 performance out of these running backs. But I think you can get a guy that can give you, uh, I don't know, 700 yards. 
yards a game right now. Like, mm-hmm. not a game, but in a season. Right. From this group. 700, that's not that. Uh, Big yeah. contributor. 700, yeah, exactly. That's what says 60-something yards a game. It's a platoon game. back. Yeah. yeah. That's basically your guy that's going to go, not a, exactly. be a third down yeah, back. But I don't know if you got a 1,000-yard guy. You don't have right a main now. guy. Right now, it's yeah. where you're going to have to platoon, use production, maybe use some other yeah. player for motivation I for the a other. I see two 500-yard guys, which is also pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right now, I don't even know if we had a three. Do we have a 300-yard rusher? <laughs> other than Sam Ellinger. Like probably not. We maybe after a, the bowl game. But maybe we had a 400. Yeah, we still, probably did after the bowl game. Yeah, maybe. with Young and Carter, you can look it, at those. It, I like what I saw. My point is the fact that we have to sit here and discuss whether Texas had a – Those numbers <laughs> that don't matter, tiny numbers. 400 yards rushing in a season lets you know the state of the position yes. in the running game. So I agree with you. Yeah, uh, Keontae Ingram comes in. There's a chance he could start right away. Like that's how – But I agree with you, Rod. I think this, this offense is good for backs because it's not like Auburn has produced, at least no. under Malzahn, has produced a ton of like NFL – Running backs. backs. Yeah. I think Michael Dyer was probably the best back. Oh yeah, that Malzahn's had at Auburn. That was when Malzahn was the OC when Cam Newton was a quarterback out. for yeah. Gene Chizik in, in 2010. Was he, a, was he a freshman then? Yeah. I want to say he was a freshman. He, he was the reason right? that yeah. rollover tackle, he was never yeah. down. You're right. Uh, Danny Young was your leading rusher for the backs with 373. Ah, yeah, right there. there You're you spot 373. on. So he reached out. Yeah, so you got you got talent back there enough for them to one guy to step up. I don't know if he's a 1,000-yard rusher, but he can rush it for 700 yards. You have another guy with 400 yards, and then you can kind of break it down from there. But you don't have a game-changing presence at running back right, right now. You just don't. And I'm not, I'm not saying those guys aren't going to develop into that, but right now you just don't have it. So – Let's tie this all together, man. So we got Herb Hand coming in. We don't know what the future is for Derek Wareheim. We don't know if maybe the play caller next year is somebody that's not currently on the staff right now. We don't know. Really? There's still some things that are going there to be determined, I think. Because I don't think the two O line coach thing is going to work. That's just my gut telling me that. I don't think Texas will go into 2018 with two O line coach. Um, yeah, I mean it depends. I just it's I, just a weird setup, man. It just it doesn't. It, it could it just work. be it's labels weird. though. But more they got so. two. They got two DB coaches. Yeah, but Rod, you know that's in the Big Twelve, especially that's different. It's different it. worlds, man. Corner and safety, but yeah, but it still brings up a lot in terms of technique and how you're coaching guys in terms of. Their I think you're overcooking your bacon, really. You know with two I mean? line coaches. Yeah, I mean you could. That's be. just my opinion. But the bottom line is, but maybe they need that. Maybe he's saying for now <coughs> they don't have two because it's such a an absolute dumpster fire of a position. Maybe and we got to rebuild it almost from scratch now. You know what I mean? When it is your foundation, we don't need two. We, man, you need an assistant. Basically, you're gonna need you're gonna need an assistant. It's gonna be that much of a task for you. Plus, if you're gonna be inputting, you know, your expertise on the offensive game plan and evaluations as a co-offensive coordinator, we still don't know exactly how what his duties entail as the co-oc right. play caller or whatever. Yeah, you're gonna need a little help coaching that line. So right now, I can understand that just because of the magnitude of the fix at O line, man, you need all hands on deck. When the magnitude of fix on the whole offense, if you just look at the pulse of Texas fans, I mean, right now that's the one tipping point issue that if it doesn't change next year, then the whole psyche of the fan base is going to change because a lot of the fan base wanted, you know, no Beck wanted to change everything, go look, well, what way can we maybe evolve this offense, stay within what we believe because it's obviously Herman at the top in what he does, but also improve that and you have to start at the offensive line. So maybe it's just bringing somebody in to be able to help that transformation. I, I'm not shutting the door on more staff changes on offense because, Rod, something you brought up, what I think Noel Mazzone probably would have been is I think you need your 10 back insurance. Definitely I think you need yeah. to bring in a guy initially as an analyst, a quality control guy, that if things Whatever go time. wrong, then you can make that that's switch what this could be. Yeah. pretty quick. Yep. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's if that's Herb Hand is that insurance. He's, I don't know he's, if that's, po- he's definitely part of it. He's built that. into I don't, it. I don't, I don't know if, if, if that's somebody that's still out there. But, Matt, to kind of my point kind of backs up what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I think if Tom Herman's got a chance to go out and add somebody that could bring something else to this offense to make it more dynamic or add a new twist to it, mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to do that. The bottom line is the point I was going to make earlier. I just remember it now. Regardless of whatever was said in a press conference setting, yes. Tom Herman was not happy with the offensive product that was put on the field in 2017. I think anybody that thinks that Tom Herman really was <coughs> really was fine with it. And I don't think he was even happy. He we had injuries and whatever. He just wasn't and fired. Yeah, you know everything. But you get what I'm saying. Like he was. It sounded as if he wasn't happy either. He just also wasn't ready to fire him. 
No, I, yeah. I, I, he was I think, not happy with it. He was always talking about it, what but, they need to fix. Well, That's being cool. ready to fire somebody, I think uh, th- that to me is a different conversation because I think then you get into aesthetics. Like, okay, how does it look if we're making wholesale staff changes after year one? Mm-hmm. So basically, yeah. Tom Herman's kind of in between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a problem that needs to be fixed, <laughs> but how do you do that in the middle of a recruiting cycle where you're trying to add more talent and set up your board and set okay. up your prospects for 2019? Yeah. How do you fix the problem without making it look like you've got a full-blown crisis? on your hands. Yep. That's the delicate balance for, for a guy like Tom Herman right now. But I think he, he it's clear now that he wasn't happy with the offense, with the offensive product this past season. And, you know, he's making the steps. I, I think with the Herb hand hire is a good step in the right direction to change it. So, Rod, let me ask you this. You tie all this together. I think the offense for 2018, until we see more pieces out along the offensive line with the graduate transfer to and we get another spring with Sam Ellinger in this offense, I tend to think the 2018 offense still has a, a ceiling on it, and, and it's a ceiling that I don't see being all that high. Um, yeah, I mean, right now you can't because you don't know exactly what the ro- what everybody's role is going to be. Um, there still might be an offensive identity crisis because now you, like you say, you're trying to, we're trying to marry two you know different philosophies on offense and hoping for you know a very productive offspring of that, mm-hmm. and we don't really know how long that's going to take. So yeah, it could be a process. I I think that I think right now everybody's expectations should be measured, <laughs> all right, <laughs> for the offense. You know, because we still don't even who's the playmaker on offense. Like, who is the best? Who who is the go-to guy on offense? I, it's Sam Ellinger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now okay, that's it. Okay, well, you know, I thought you were talking about like, but it shouldn't necessarily be that. We should be able to go. Oh, is this guy? Could be this guy. I think it's going to be this guy. We don't really know who that's going to be. I, I felt it could have and should have in a lot of ways been Colin Johnson. I think that's a guy. I mean, he had almost a hundred targets, but it wasn't enough. I mean, I think you've got to force the ball to that guy. I, I agree with you. I don't mm-hmm. know if they had. Well, at times he didn't. He wasn't on the field in the red zone. So, and I thought I thought LJ, I thought LJ Humphrey needed more touches. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So I'm with you on that too. I agree with that. But then are you going to build your? You know, then you know you got to build around the passing <laughs> game a little bit more. And I don't know if he if if he wanted to do that with Sam Ellinger. This team was at its best when Sam was able to just kind of freestyle and be the you know mm-hmm. kind of bam bam running attack of, of the Texas running game and you know you build around the passing game if you want to but he actually made a lot of mistakes in the passing game and I don't know if Tom Herman was ready to do that yet with a young quarterback maybe it will be different after this spring and after training camp yeah especially in with the line how the line was the most line of was, the year without Connor Williams you needed that running game this year that's why yeah. I, I mean. that's why I think there is hope now I, there are also no signs to show it's gonna go and grow immediately and real quick but when you look at the foundation what was going on last year there's only room really to grow and the players are in situations where you normally grow most of them were inexperienced we're young there's a new staff there's a lot of learning curve things and then you had on top of it like the injury your better players not available and then if you add in that the coaches maybe weren't even putting them in the best position too then it can be a cocktail that looks bad but that just shows that if you get satisfactory or just average production from guys that now have made mistakes have a little bit of experience may have be maybe have a little bit more confidence if you can just start on that foundation of average and then build upon it you really can improve drastically not saying that this team will but it's yeah. just we're in the situation for a team to grow exponentially I mean it's like when I saw the national championship odds I was blown away Texas what's it like top six like 25 to one odds yeah, to win a championship like yeah. and it's only because they're looking at the things that I look at whenever you're looking at teams that are down but have a foundation that should be aligned for growth so that's where Texas is at right now, especially when they've outbeat Vegas. They were 9-4 and four against Vegas, only two Power 5 teams better. All right, let's take a quick break. But on the other side, we're talking more about the hiring of Herb Hand and how it impacts the Longhorns going forward. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. Matt, I want to get into some of these analytics. And you know, we spent the last couple of podcasts talking a lot about the defense, so I think it's cool if we devote kind of the bulk of this podcast to the offense. Mm-hmm. When I look at the analytics, and uh, I'm using Football Study Hall, which I think Bill Conley does a phenomenal job of breaking yeah. down the analytics. And it's easiest for people to just Google, click, go. Right. When you look at the rushing for Texas in 2017, poor across the board. Yes. Rushing S&P plus 85th nationally. And these are all national <laughs> rankings. Rushing success rate, 95th. Rushing ISO PPP, 122nd. That's Adjusted, excuse me, adjusted line yards, 90th. Opportunity rate, 97th. Power success rate, 85th. Stuff rate, 
60th. Right about average. They're right at the national average and stuff, right? Yeah. And which means the one thing you did, aver- at least at an average level, was... Fall short. forward. Yeah, basically, yes. <laughs> That's we like really what, what, what Sam forward. Ellinger did. It was like, he, we didn't have negative yards. If we got zero, he stuff ran just... good at falling forward. <laughs> yes, yes, good. that's about it. But, but man, I want to get into this, and I want you to break this down for me. Yo. Because I think this goes back to, Rod, what we opened talking about, which was kind of the philosophical miss, if you will, between Tim Beck and Tom Herman. Because Tim Beck, yeah, knock man. on him again, was, hey, you know, talk to people in Nebraska and Ohio State. If he had his druthers, he would throw the football all the time. And there were times where we saw that. That's kind of what the offense defaulted to. Yeah. So, Matt, when I'm looking at this, the Texas offensive footprint, I'm looking at standard downs run rate, which is standard downs should be down a distance where conducive to having the whole playbook open. Mm-hmm. Texas ranked 95th in standard down run rate. And that's whenever 54%. you're basically on schedule, not in a longer passing right. down situation. So could Tom Herman have looked at this, and I'm just looking at the analytics now and I'm spitball. Could Tom Herman have looked at some of this data and said, you know what? It's not that we were really bad at running the football. We just didn't do it enough. And hence Rod's 40 yep. per. The, yeah, they're undefeated still. <laughs> still undefeated. The, still never undefeated. Lost. Never lost. <laughs> they ain't win every the game. They never. I think the, they're six. Oh, when they run the ball on. these 40 times. No, and I mean, it's sort of, and quantity really does mean so much more yeah. in football these days. And I mean, we talked about last week on the it's podcast crazy, when man. we talked about the Charlie era and how you could outperform per play. But if you aren't getting the amount of plays, then think what adds on to that. That means the defense is on the field. They're wearing down. Yep. Well, the offense is resting. They aren't getting injured. There's less variance. You're shortening the sample size. All these different things are tied in to those different stats. And I mean, you can go the other way when you're looking at passing downs and see what they do and right there was that average so it looks as if whenever you're in that standard down situation you weren't running whenever most coaches would mm-hmm. say this is a situation in which you run to stay on schedule now also you get doesn't factor in game situation so teams playing from behind are going to have these numbers be distorted because if you're always throwing say you're down 14 in a standard down situation it's different than being down 28 in a standard down situation so the context to these standard downs are aren't always there because if you're down, you may start throwing. So you can find ways to deceive these numbers, but that's a pretty big disparity that only shows that Texas, yeah, probably threw a little bit more than they should have. But I think there, to to your point there, there were a lot of games where Texas wasn't down by two or three touchdowns. Exactly. And that's why I'm saying the context to this. So sometimes these numbers will tell you one thing and then you have to pour into them and make sure. And you're right. right. Texas is in close games. Even better situations to be running the ball than throwing. So if anything, you would think these numbers would maybe be slightly above the national average that we're running more so. But Texas's offensive line was down, so then that can maybe explain some of the reasons too. What does that but number say really to you, though, Matt? The fifty-four percent. Oh, that's standard a huge difference. If you look at a standard deviation when the national average is at sixty, you would say fifty-eight to fifty-eight percent would be a disparity. Being six percent down, a full ten percent deviation down—that is a large amount. That's okay. not. That's not a number that you want to see. So that means. On standard downs, you're not running the ball near as much as you probably should. Not even the average team does, and then nowadays it's also more of a pass happy football. So okay. that's not even a good sign. So again, kind of the bottom line at Rod, what we were talking about with Herb Hand, mm. could this just be Tom Herman? Like, look, if Tim Beck doesn't want to run the football in those situations, I got a guy who loves base, to run the football. I got to get somebody who will. Or it could be the yin and the yang. You got a guy, you know what I mean? Like they always say, opposites attract. Mm-hmm. Right? My my woman is everything that I'm not in every. Way. You know what I mean? She's responsible. She is, you know what I mean? She's organized. Like, I'm the opposite of her in so many different ways, but it, it, it works like a puzzle. We, we fit together. And maybe Tom Herman's this is this way of going, okay, I got a guy whose natural tendency when the fit hits the shan is just to start throwing the ball because he kind of freaks out. Okay, let me put some balance in there. It's almost like you have a dog that freaks out, so you go get another dog. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you get a dog that can kind of mellow that dog out a little bit. I think that's what he's doing. He's getting something to kind of mellow Tim Beck out. This is, you know, his version of getting. You know, another dog in the family because Tim Beck, you know, he freaks out when you guys leave home and he tears up the furniture. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, we got to give him another dog in here. So when we leave, he'll just play with the other dog. He won't start tearing up the furniture or eating right. the shoes. I think this could, so I'm not saying that it's not what you said, um, This, but I think it could be the other. It could be, you know, I'm, I'm look at the glass half kind of full thing. I think it's more what you said, though. <laughs> I think it's him saying, hey, let's run the damn ball. And as right. I look yeah. at these numbers, it's like it makes sense that we talked that much more about the defense last week because there's actually some awesome 
awesome stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, Texas is the best team in the nation on third down last year defensively. That's crazy. Yeah. That, I mean, they're eighth in yeah. the nation. Third or down ninth. S&P plus it's number one. nuts to see that. And then look at the offense, 113th. Yeah. Yeah, both ends yeah. of the spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> in offensive conference. I mean, that just shows that if you can get something out of your offense, how good this Texas team could end up being. So, to kind of close it out this week, I want to talk about quarterbacks. Uh, Shane Bouchelle's having surgery to repair a torn abductor muscle. Um, you guys, of, you guys, well versed enough to know what the torn abductor means? Uh, uh, the really, actually. Ad, ad, opening yeah. and closing. So he's growing. The only time I've heard of the abductor muscle. No, because in the NBA right now, a lot of abductor Anthony Davis has been having issues with his. And, and nice. Mm-hmm. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's like the muscle that attaches like your lower abs, like pelvic. Yeah, bone. it's basically your groin yeah. area. Um, the only other time I've like heard the of that. upper groin though, above. <coughs> but, hello, hello. Adding yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Above, like not growing like yeah, yeah, yeah. Below yeah. junk groin. Yeah. yeah. But it's above junk, right? Yeah, it's like lift in like the, the, yes, the upper junk, yeah. above the junk. Okay, I want to make sure we talk about the, the only other time I've heard about this muscle. No joke, this is the only other time I've heard about it. Um, the Rock tore his off the bone in his match with John Cena at WrestleMania twenty. What he yeah. tore his off the bone early in the match? He tore it off the bone. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm Google you told abductor, me. I a person who abducts another person. He tore it off the bone? Off the bone, Rodney. How do you tear your abductor off the bone? That's I like when you're straight well, muscle. That's, that's, that, that, that just gave me chills. It was like whenever Bo Jackson ripped his own hip out of its socket and then told the doctor he put it back in on the field. And the doctor said that's impossible, and he actually did it. Who did that? Torn. Bo Jackson. Wow. On his hip So Bouchelle's is officially a torn adductor slash no. abdominal yes, muscle. Yes, yes. Anyway, oh. Shane Bouchelle will not be ready to rock and roll until Texas starts spring ball, which is March 5th. We've got a start date for spring ball. Um, he's going to be in the rehab process, so that means Ross Sam Ellinger is going to be leading most of these workouts. Uh, well, the, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, you talk about the, <laughs> Matt is showing me the abductor muscle right there <laughs> uh, on, the, on, the, <laughs> on the computer screen. But it, I think, obviously, it's uh, disadvantageous um, uh, for Shane Bouchelle because, you know, not like Sam Ellinger needed any more, like, uh, reason or any more opportunity to try to win over the team to make it his team. Right. But, you know, this He's is just. Now. Yeah, exactly. You got the whole offseason now to kind of win that locker room and they become more Sam Mellinger guys. And not that it'll matter in like the actual competition, but it will because Sam gets more chemistry with the wide receivers and more time and all that kind of stuff. But for the coaches, I'm sure he's still going to you know give them an even um, like kind of even start to the competition even though we all know right. Sam Mellinger is probably more the future than when, when we talk about Tom Sam. Herman as a play caller, and I know that's, I don't think Tom Herman's going to be the quote unquote play caller by himself because for to me it's, no. it's for this reason when you, no. you know it's the same argument I made when Charlie Strong took over the defense. Okay, if you want to do that, that's fine, but it doesn't work out. What are you going to do? Fire yourself? Yep. Yeah. He's like, not there's no. That. There's no. nobody. Nobody left to blame. That's yeah. just the way this thing works. He's not going to do that. Um. But uh, when I look at this situation, Rod, I, I think while people are hung up on Tom Herman, the play caller, I think Tom Herman, the quarterback developer, is just as important, if not more so, for Texas right now than anything else. Because yeah. I'll go back to what I said about the offensive line. Until you get that position right and you figure out who you want to build your offense around and the direction you want to go and who the guy is. We can talk about scheme and everything else we want. If you don't have that position figured out, you're just going to kind of keep floating along. No, I agree. And that's that's why I think everybody's excited about the 2018 class. It does show you what the vision uh, Tom Herman may have for the quarterback position. He brought in two of them. So at least for a long time, for the first time in a long time, you'll have bodies, scholarship quarterbacks. Four scholarship guys in that room. In the room you know what I mean? And two veterans, hopefully. I mean, it looks like Shane is, you know, no plans for him to transfer or anything like that nope. that we have heard about. So, you know, you can get a potential chance to redshirt two of those guys. You talked about breaking that cycle you have on the offensive line. You got one of those cycles happening at quarterback, too. You can break that by redshirting two guys, building depth and developing there. And that goes back to him being a quarterback guru. He always wants to be developing quarterback. Right. That's just kind of his little side project for the for the program. He always wants to have his fingers on developing the next great quarterback. All right. It is time to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven. And we will do that on the other side as we close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. 
To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-809-5785. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-809-5785. That's 1-800-809-5785. People make your business work. But how do you find the right talent? ZipRecruiter. One click posts your job to over 100 top job boards. Then, smart matching technology instantly alerts quality candidates about your job. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. To try ZipRecruiter for free, just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. If you're a small business, first impressions can make all the difference. With Grasshopper, you get all the features of a professional business phone system on your mobile phone. Choose a business phone number, make calls, and send texts. Stay connected and work from anywhere with features like Wi-Fi calling and our desktop app. Set up your account in minutes with no long-term contracts and 24-7 customer support. Make your small business big. Now get $20 off your first month when you visit grasshopper.com slash radio. That's grasshopper.com slash radio. In winter, you can practically hear your skin changing, drying out, flaking, tightening, becoming itchy, irritated, and inflamed. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. With Cortisone 10, winter can just sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Hello, I'd like to deposit this to checking. Fate is a fickle master. What? The future is uncertain. Okay, and what's my account balance? Ah, the horizon is cloudy. I see a long, treacherous voyage Um, filled with great peril. Look, can I just get a deposit slip or something? A fortune bank teller. Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. I see a yellow-eyed serpent and a low APR. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Are you putting your retirement savings in a 401k, IRA, or investment account? Then I have one word of advice. Stop. Many experts warn of a stock market crash any day now. And if it's anything like the last two crashes, you could lose 50% or more of your hard-earned savings in the Wall Street casino. Can you afford to lose half of your retirement savings again? Hey, you don't have to lose a penny because there's a better, safer way to save for retirement. And you can learn all about it in a free report. This is the report Wall Street and big banks desperately hope you never see. Why? Because this method continues to grow your money even when the market tumbles. It lets you you take back control of your money and finances, and it gives you penalty-free access to your savings. Plus, it beats the pants off any 401k or IRA. These are uncertain times, so get the information you need today to guarantee your retirement security. To get this free report, go to bankonyourself.com right now. That's bankonyourself.com. Bankonyourself.com. If you're a small business, first impressions can make all the difference. With Grasshopper, you get all the features of a professional business phone system on your mobile phone. Choose a business phone number, make calls, and send texts. Stay connected and work from anywhere with features like Wi-Fi calling and our desktop app. Set up your account in minutes with no long-term contracts and 24-7 customer support. Make your small business big. Now get $20 off your first month when you visit grasshopper.com slash radio. That's grasshopper.com slash radio. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to Geico. I feel like I'm on top of the world. Disclaimer, you will not be transported to the top of the world. In the unlikely event you find yourself at the Arctic Circle, seek shelter from the elements immediately to avoid frostbite and or hypothermia. Geico will not be responsible if you find yourself in a cave or crevasse with a lonely, abominable snowman, who in all likelihood will force you to play games including, but not limited to, Go Fish, Charades, Chinese Checkers, or his personal favorite, Red Rover, Red Rover, Send Yeti on Over. Geico is not liable for any damages, either physical or emotional. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. That is going to conclude another it, edition of the Blitz. Matt, appreciate everything, man. Hey, you are more than welcome. Rod B., thanks for the time and the knowledge. All the time, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game. For everybody at the Austin Radio Network, 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com. 
the Horn app, AM 1260, where you can hear Rod each and every weekday from 1 to 3 on the Rodcast. Boom. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.